Welcome to the Arthroscopy Association's Arthroscopy Journal podcast. The views expressed in this podcast do not necessarily represent the views of the Arthroscopy Association or the Arthroscopy Journal. Welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. Clay Nelly with TSAOG Orthopedics from San Antonio, Texas. Today, I have the privilege of speaking with Dr. Jorge Chala uh, from Rush University in Chicago. Dr. Chala was the author on a paper titled Single Bundle and Double Bundle Posterior Cruciate Ligament Reconstructions, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis of 441 Patients at a Minimum Two Years Follow-Up. This article was published in the November 2017 edition of the Arthroscopy Journal. Dr. Chala's co-authors include Dr. Gilbert Malachi, Dr. Mark Chinke, Grant Dornan, Justin Mitchell, Taylor Ridley, and Robert Lafad. Dr. Chala, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much, Clay. It's a great privilege for me to be part of this podcast. So let's start right in with what do you think are the primary, for those that have not read the article, the primary conclusions and the primary takeaways for the readers and listeners from the article? So the main takeaway from this article was basically that when you do a double bundle reconstruction, you can expect to have better objective data, meaning that if you do a stress x-ray in the Telos machine or over an even stress x-ray, or if you have IKDC in the format of an objective measure, you can expect better outcomes if you do a double bundle reconstruction, but the clinical findings and functional scores are probably the same if you do a single bundle. That's the main conclusion of this study. And so did those results surprise you and your co-authors in any way, or is that kind of pretty much what you guys you know, expected when you, when you started out to do the meta-analysis and the review? So to this point, I have to acknowledge my mentor and good friend, Rob Pratt. He has built a comprehensive approach to the PCL starting with a, with a pyramid of the anatomy, the biomechanics, and then the clinical outcomes. So basically, what we were expecting is the double bundle reconstruction were, were going to perform better. And to this point, if you just analyze the level two studies included in this systematic review, you can see that the data, even for the functional and clinical aspects of the data, are better for the double bundle reconstruction. The problem is, Clay, that when you try to reconstruct this uh, ligament, it is not like the ACL because it's truly two different bundles. If you look at the anatomy, the anterolateral bundle is not a crucial ligament on its own because you, you have a ligament that goes from the back to the front to the roof of the knee. Whereas you have the PM bundle that goes from the, from the back or from the posterior aspect of the knee to the side. So one controls for posterior tibial translation, which is the anterior anterolateral bundle, and then one controls for rotation, which, which is the posterior medial bundle. And if you look at the femoral insertion, they have 18 millimeters of insertion. So it is basically impossible to reconstruct the femoral attachment if you don't do two bundles. Even in the biomechanics, when you, when you see this and you just cut one of the, of the bundles, you, you don't get all the, the laxities that you get when you cut both bundles, which means that they're both co-dominant and synergistic in some sort of fashion. The same yes, thing happens when you reconstruct them. If you reconstruct just one bundle, um, you cannot get the same biomechanics as the native knee. So that's why we thought that uh, a double bundle reconstruction will have better outcomes, not only on the objective side of it, but also on the functional side of it. Yeah, it makes sense. You brought up a term that um, gets used fairly frequently in the literature and PCL reconstruction literature that we don't see necessarily as often in the ACL literature, which is co-dominance, uh, which you mentioned in the co-dominance um, and the synergistic effect of both 
bundles that you know you see like we said you see that a lot more in the pcl literature and it's always interesting too because i think most of us and you know most surgeons that do a fair amount of um, cruciate ligament surgery when you do a double bundle pcl you usually tighten the grass um, in different positions in different knee flexion angle positions and i think dr laprade does it that way as well and so uh, maybe you could talk a little bit about just kind of the difference in the biomechanics and you know how people oftentimes and maybe even some of the results from some of the studies that were done in in this paper of people tightening the, the graft and different positions um, based on the bu different bundles and that sort of thing? That's a great question, Clay. I think uh, tightening or, or fixing these bundles at different fixation angles is one of the keys for success. We know that the antilateral bundle, which is the main component of the PCL, needs to be fixated or, or fixed at 90 degrees of flexion and reducing the tibia forward. This is the main step when we're trying to reconstruct the PCL. And then we have to bring the knee all the way down to extension because that's the angle where the, the BMB is in, at, at the most isometric point and fix it in extension. For this, you can't use an interferential screw because if you use that in a single tunnel in the tibia, then you're basically fixing both at the same fixation angle. So that's why uh, Dr. LaPratt's technique basically uses bicortical screws with washers to be able to fix both at different fixation angles. In this review, what we saw is that most of the people that use a single bundle fix the, the knee at 70 degrees. And the ones that use a double bundle usually uh, fix the antilateral bundle at 70 to 90 degrees and the PNB at 20 to 30 degrees, which is not ideal based on our biomechanical data. Yeah, that makes sense. But I think that definitely, you know, mirrors what a lot of people would say in clinical practice when they do a single bundle, they kind of split the difference a little bit, but put the knee in a little bit more flexion to try and take away that post your drawer, but but it's definitely interesting because I think, you know, a lot of people that have done that report a lot of, you know, a lot of the reported outcomes in the literature would say that there's always kind of a one plus posterior tibial tibial plant translation present with a lot of different types of PCL reconstruction techniques. And so maybe the double bundle, you know, takes that away and, and it seemed to this study seemed to kind of show that based on the results of, of the objective data testing. Yeah, I think that's one of the key things that we need to do moving forward is that when we do these reconstructions, anatomic reconstructions, we need to really measure in an objective way if we're doing a good job. So we just published our, our outcomes on 100 patients on PC, double bundle PCL reconstruction. And I can tell you that I measured 100 x-rays, posterior uh, knee kneeling stress x-rays, and they don't have more than two millimeters of side-to-side -side difference when you look at the kneeling stress x-rays. So they don't stretch out if you do a good job of the reconstruction. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, yeah, especially because previous anatomic studies and even reviews, sometimes people would kind of really hone in on the, the tibia and the tibial side and, and talk a lot about the killer turn and different reconstruction techniques around the killer turn on the posterior aspect of the tibia. But this one, you know, is, is it incorporates that, but certainly is, is more kind of directly related to the, the double bundle versus single bundle, which is more kind of oriented to the femoral side. And so it kind of shifts, I think, maybe it shifts a little bit of the focus of the type and, and technique of the reconstruction. That's correct. And the other important thing when you're thinking about the graph stretching out is that there are some new technology in the bracing side of it, too. There are now dynamic braces that basically push the tibia forward with increased degrees of knee flexion and therefore keeps the knee reduced where the, knee, where the PCL see the most load, right? So we know that at 90 degrees, the, the PCL is seeing probably the most of the load. So that's where the PCL brace or dynamic brace can be of significant help, right? Because it can, keep, it can keep the knee reduced when the knee is suffering from most load. 
So in a sense where the, where the graft is healing, probably a PCL brace can help you keep the knee reduced while it heals in the right position and not in an elongated position. Yeah, that's a good point too. I, I think there, you all made mention in the manuscript about a few of the studies you utilize the dynamic PCL type of brace like that, but not all of them. Do you think that could have played a factor at all in in their final results, or do you think it's just one one small sub variable analysis? I think it's a really important thing to consider because even for the non-operative treatment of PCLs, if you use dynamic bracing, there is some good data now suggesting that those patients might heal in a better position than if you don't. So I think even more for, for the reconstructions, you need to have that sort of anterior directed force to be able to counteract the gravity. Absolutely. How do you, so how do you think, how do you think, uh, this is a, you know, a very well done meta-analysis and review. How do you think this will kind of help us guide future research into either single bundle, double bundle, or just reconstruction techniques in, in, in general? I think one of the main things that we need to think moving forward is that every time that we do a study looking at ligaments, we need to have some sort of objective data. And this is what we are basically asking in the discussion where we say, if you do this type of reconstructions, you truly need to be looking at medium stress x-rays or telos or some sort of objective data that can tell you how well your reconstruction is doing because we know that there can be degenerative changes moving forward if the biomechanics of the native knee have not been restored. So that's one of the main points. And the second point is that we show that not even only the objective data, a double bundle reconstruction is probably better, but also uh, if you use a single bundle reconstruction, you can have lower functional outcomes if you look just only at level two data, which is probably the best data that we have available. We additionally did a, a death key score to look at the quality of the papers, and only four out of the 11 papers had um, good methods. So this is something that we need to probably get better at, at reporting our outcomes because when we're doing this randomized clinical trials, it, it's of imperative need that we, we do a good job of designing these studies in a, well, in a very well. And that's certainly, that's hard being able to compare studies that don't have as good of um, outcomes in, in any type of meta-analysis. So do you think, for, so for, for you and your co-authors, um, is it a double bundle uh, reconstruction in all cases, in most cases? Is there any indication for a single bundle reconstruction um, in, in your guys' hands? or in... I think the most reproducible way to do it is to do the same thing over and over, not only for your ability to do the surgery, but also because of your staff might get uh, more used to do the same and the same technique over and over again. And it makes it easier for everybody on a surgery that is not easy to begin with. So it, it is a procedure that is technically demanding with a high risk of neurovascular injury if you're, if you're not sure on the back of where you are of visualization is not very good. And therefore, I think replicating the technique over and over is the easiest way to do it. And it has been shown also to be the most reproducible way to restore native biomechanics. Absolutely. One last question. Um, I think the majority of the ones utilized in the study and in, the, in all the studies and in the review were allograft, and the, the higher number was Achilles allograft, but then there were a few other allograft. Is that true? Pretty much, pretty much mostly all allograft and then majority Achilles allograft. Is that correct? And That's correct. Even for single bundle and double bundle, most of the authors use Achilles allograft. The second mostly used allograft was hamstring or tibialis anterioris. I think having a bone plug on a graph that is uh, sufficiently long to be able to fix it on the tibia is probably what we should be using, and that's what we use in our technique as well.
Absolutely. Additionally, you don't want to you don't want to use a quadriceps tendon because it has a pretty active role in reducing the tibia forward, and therefore trying to avoid harvesting the quad tendon, and also for the sake of time might be another uh, reasonable option to to keep using allograft. Yeah, certainly, particularly if you're talking about reconstructing the PCL in the setting of a multi-leg uh, reconstruction, multi-leg knee reconstruction, which is often the case uh, in many cases. Correct. PCL injuries, isolated PCL injuries are only present in 17% of the cases. So as you said, in most of the cases, these are going to be combined injuries, and you want to be as efficient with time as you can, and harvesting grass at, at that time point might add morbidity and time to the surgery. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing your your thoughts with us today, Dr. Chala. Uh, Dr. Chala's article, Single Bundle and Double Bundle Posterior Cruciate Ligament Reconstructions, a Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis of 441 Patients at a Minimum Two Years Follow-Up, can be found in the November 2017 edition of the Arthroscopy Journal or online at www.arthroscopyjournal.org. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Chala. Thank you very much. It's, it's a great honor for me. This concludes this edition of the Arthroscopy Journal podcast. Please join us next time.